Welcome to Echoes of the Caribbean, the podcast that delves into the vibrant and poignant stories of West Indian migrants who embarked on a transformative journey to start a new life in Bradford during the 1950s and 1960s. Friday nights or Saturday nights, you get a few mates to go to have a drink. You never go on your own because if you did, you have a very good chance of getting beaten up. You were under attack because your numbers were so small and um, you didn't have to tell a black if you passing down the road and see another black getting beaten up that he should help. He knew exactly what to do. In this series, we will take you on a captivating journey through time, tracing the footsteps of those who left their home in search of a better life in the mother country and forging a new community in industrial Yorkshire. Especially the kids. When they see us, they hide away. They would say to the parents, look at that monkey or that, you know. And the parents would say, shut up, but they don't mean it. So they would say, why did they have to come to this country to frighten our kids? We are students at Ulster School in Bradford. As part of Black History Month, we have teamed up with Checkpoint, Bradford's West Indian Community Group, and the charity Digital Advantage to share with you Bradford's Black History. In 1986, volunteers at Checkpoint recorded the memories of elder members of the community, talking about their experiences over the previous three decades, settling into a new way of life in Yorkshire. We have now been given access to this treasure trove of first-hand testimony that we can share with you on Echoes of the Caribbean. When you saw, are you walking down the street and you saw another black face, it is like seeing something appear from heaven, you know, you just, you just wanted to know that person. You, you know, the last thing you think about which party come from, it didn't matter if you came from, from the moon, you know, because um, it wasn't um, a lot of black faces around. And then you saw another, hey brother, that was all you know. To help tell the stories of the arrival of Bradford's early West Indian community to a new generation, actor Sean Thomas has created a short play he's performed with a small group of actors to all the students in our school. Play touches on racism and uh, the racism that the uh, African Caribbean migrants used to have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, struggling to find work. You're listening to Echoes of the Caribbean. Bradford's Black History. Welcome to the Echoes of Caribbean podcast. On this podcast, you will hear recordings made in 1986 by the first West Indian settlers who made Bradford their home in the 1950s and the 1960s. Some of the words, phrases and terms used are reflective of the language that was used then, both within the Caribbean community and wider society at the time, some of which used today could be considered offensive or inappropriate. This is their story of their life experience. Echoes of the Caribbean. Bradford's Black History. Welcome to episode two, The Struggle for Acceptance. I'm Ethan with Alicia. In this episode, we examine the prejudice that Bradford's early West Indian migrants faced as they built a life here. Many people who had travelled from the Caribbean had a strong sense of their Britishness. Plenty had served in the British Armed Forces during the war and they had an expectation that they would be welcomed in the mother country. However, this was not always the case. Many of the indigenous population were not used to seeing black people and saw the migrants as a threat. They they didn't really use the coloured people that much. Especially the kids. And they see us, they hide away. And then the parents, they would say to the parents, look at that monkey or that, you know. And the parents would say, shut up, but they don't mean it. Because they would say, why did they have to come to this country to frighten our kids? I could remember 
that's happened to me. I'm not saying I heard that from other people telling me. I'm saying what happened to me. He went in the bus to sit down. They get up from me. They don't want to sit with you. You're working with them. They ask you a silly question. Yeah, you, you know. It just, it just, it just didn't, didn't nice. So did that get you down? Yes. It was very, very bad. With living together, we living, you know, and 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 living condition were very poor for us. Because when you knock at the door, if you see vacancy put up for a room or so to rent and you knock at the door and when they open the door and sees you are what color you are the door in your face and then they turn back inside mm -hmm. i live in a one room in a pakistani house for a time good while so were the pakistani helpful to us yes yes because they provide place for us to live and we pay them the rent they were they're very good to me, they do. I have nothing against them. To me, they were right good. I live in Pakistani house for all my, most my life until I have a corporation house. Well, the, the way how they um, presented us as simple, happy-go-lucky people as, has made people look at us as inferior. And that gave them the position uh, that, that they could do whatever they like and take any liberties with us. And we wouldn't, um, one, know what people are doing to us. If we did, we wouldn't be able to do nothing about it. And those kind of things. So that actually laid a foundation for the um, indigenous population to take liberties with us. It was only when it came that we had had sufficient and said, no, we've had sufficient of that that um, you start to really put a break on that. But most of the things that has taken place against us and most of the, 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 the things has been sown by the media. And that means television and radio and, and the various newspapers who has written a lot of, I would say, a hogwash about blacks and the way how they lived and what they came from and all that kind of thing. And people literally believed it. I mean, they say there were people who who believed that we had tails, you know, they who, who believed that you were still uh, capable of, 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 of um, cannibal, cannibalism or something like that. And um, you would find that when you walk in the street, the child would be looking at you like that and frightened because they're, they're being told that you, will, you would eat them or something like that. So it was only in recent years when um, that has actually changed. And when people realize that you could lead an intelligent conversation, that you could write a decent letter, then that, you know, if you go to um, places like the tax office and uh, you, you sign your name or something that was well written, you could see the shock on the face, you know, because naturally they didn't expect you to be able to write, write your name, you know, and to, to express yourself. That wasn't expected of you. And that was because of the, how the media had projected you. It wasn't difficult for work when I came here. You could change it, but it was cheap. It's not good money. And, and you see, what their people wouldn't do, we do it. So we could get a lot of job. And then they didn't like us, because they says we take away the job. You is not this, you is not that, you is 
use monkey, use this, use that, <laughs> you know. You go in the shop and you 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 asking for the things. And the and the white man or the white woman come, they get it first before you, and you stand there for half an hour or an hour first before you can get yours or you queue there, you if you can stand it, you stand there waiting. I could remember going to Woolworth once and there was some chocolate selling in there with them, they call it them rum chocolate. And there was a girl standing there and you have to pick the things up and hand it to her to wrap it and to give you to come out. If she don't wrap it, they can arrest you. And I give her the chocolate to wrap. She took the two shillings from me and she put it in the tilt and she wouldn't wrap it. And I says, are you wrapping it? You know they will arrest me. And she says, it's just like your face, so get out with it. She wouldn't wrap it. Woolworth here in Bradford, I'm talking about. Blacks at the time was prepared to accept it because we never saw the sense of challenge since we believed that we wouldn't have been in this country for a very long time. When we realized that we had come unstuck and we had to be here and there was no way out, but in the early days um, there was only a few people challenging things and that was on the individual scale. If somebody attacked you on personally at work or something like that, you'd done something about it in your own way, but um, a collective approach to bringing about changes and so on, that was never really on, because um, we didn't believe we would have been here 20 odd years after. So why bother about something when you're not going to be around? We found that that was a mistake in itself because we didn't foresee the implications that it would have caused at latter years. Facing racism and prejudice on a daily basis made life hard for many in Bradford West Indian community. But on occasions it could be even worse when hate turned to violence. There weren't many blacks around, um, especially in the early 60s. The um, black community grew after 65, coming back to the 70s. But um, in the 60s when I came, you could actually reckon the few blacks that was around. They had to, you had to be close if you wanted to survive because you would get attacked if you were work, walking on your own. So you would find most blacks walking two or three together. It was the safest way to get around. So um, even if you were, if you, when you're going out Friday nights or Saturday nights, you get a few mates to go to have a drink. You never go on your own because if you did, you have a very good chance of getting beaten up. But um, in those early days, you had to go with someone else. I was attacked um, quite a few times. I was never on my own. And um, the last time, it was about, it was four of us who was walking up um, the Church Street, which is coming on to St. Mary's. And a group of youngsters, about a dozen, attacked us, which, um, you know, was one heck of a brawl. And in the end, um, we gave them a fairly good hiding and they ran off. Um, and I think that if I can remember, that's the last time. How long ago it is, I don't really know, but it's quite a long time. Sticking together formed a bond between people and made Bradford's black community stronger. The majority of migrants have come from Jamaica, although there were people from Barbados and Dominica and other islands. But any rivalry that existed between the islands were quickly forgotten. Because you were just glad to see another black face. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Islands never come into it. When you saw, are you walking down the street and you saw another black face? It is like seeing something appear from heaven. You know, you just, you just wanted to know that person. 
you, you know, the last thing you think about which party come from, it didn't matter if you came from, from the moon, you know, because um, it wasn't um, a lot of black faces around. And when you saw another, hi brother, that was all you know. I mean, I've known a lot of people that is only recently I know where they came from. Because that didn't come into it. You just wanted to know that, hey, you've got another black, you've got another colleague, you've got another friend in the area, to which made you feel a bit more secure. Because on your own, you was out on a limb. On your own, you could be beaten up. You couldn't afford the luxury of saying, I come from Dominica or Barbados or Jamaica. You just know that you were another black. And um, I think that was good in a lot of ways because it gave us a, a great deal of strength in those years when you were under attack because your numbers were so small. And um, if you were walking down the streets and somebody attacked another black, you didn't wait to find out if he would attack you. You would get, you would get stuck in and you would expect that same support from him. So um, in those early years, that was the code that we lived under. You didn't have to tell a black if he passing down the road and see another black getting beaten up that he should help. He knew exactly what to do. So it came a time when they decided to leave us alone because naturally it was made clear that any, any black you attack, you attack them all. In 1965, the Race Relations Act was the first piece of British legislation that addressed racism and discrimination and started to offer people some protection in law. During the early years of the Caribbean community in Bradford, many people felt that they were offered no support or protection from the authorities. Some felt at times that the police could be part of the problem rather than the solution. After I left school, I was doing this engineering, general engineering. There was a I think it was a whale or some big fish that was in town that was showing. So we went on this way to have a look. And then we saw two policemen, you know, so they asked us what we're doing there. So we told them. So I said that we're trespassing. So we said that we didn't know, you know, because the entrance that we came in, there was no sign to say, well, anything you know so of course I think I believe it was the young one that just wouldn't have it so in the end we had to go to court for it you know but uh, we are, it was a few of us because we left the work we left work uh, dinner time just to have a look so a few of us we got a solicitor you know and we did, it didn't get further we get the solicitor and then we told the solicitor what had happened and then he just put it to them and that was it. I remember another time again, as I mentioned about the police, you know, when I had my car at this time, it was later on, you know, I was, uh, I went out one night with my friends, you know, to watch them play, because they used to play in a group. And when I was coming back, you know, a policeman stopped me. He said that I was speeding. I saw his car in the side street. And as soon as I saw his car, I slowed down. And, and then he started following. So when he was following, I already slowed down. So in the end, he stopped me. And said, oh, you know, I was speeding. So I says, no. Well, I explained to him. Anyway, he took out his bag and said, I was blowing it. So when I blew in it, he asked me if I was drinking. I says yes, but it was only soup. 
because that night I didn't touch any drink, you know, I just had some soup. Because he did say, well, you've had some drink of some kind. So I said, yes, I was drinking soup. Anyway, he said he'd do me for speeding. If I remember rightly, I paid, I think it was £15 at the time. It's a long time now. So those are those two instances that I had, you know, with the law. Next up on Echoes of the Caribbean, you'll be in conversation with Sean Thomas, the accomplished actor from Bradford. He'll be sharing insights of the play he's been crafting inspired by the captivating recordings you've been listening to on this podcast. But next, let's connect with some individuals from Checkpoint Community Centre who played an important role in preserving the history of Bradford's black community. Echoes of the Caribbean. Bradford's black history. This is Echoes of the Caribbean, a podcast brought to you by the learners at Ulster School in Bradford dedicated to celebrating Black History Month. I'm Tyler and I'm joined by Jen and KD who are with us from Checkpoint West Indian Community Centre in Bradford. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having us. Were you shocked or surprised to hear of some of the examples of racist abuse and even the attacks that were spoken about on the tapes? Yeah, I wasn't actually that shocked and surprised to hear some of the stories about the racism and the attacks because I've heard a lot of them stories before a lot of the elders share them stories and it's you know a part of the things that you hear growing up and especially if you're around your grandparents the things I was more shocked about to be fair is on one of the tapes one of the gentlemen's gentlemen explains he explains that when he came to Bradford he obviously was expecting a more rich culture but what he found was totally opposite some of the houses, they didn't have fridges or like basic things like kettles and you know things that they actually had in the Caribbean. That, so I think that shocked me the most because obviously they thought they were coming to somewhere that was more advanced. But when in reality, when they actually came, the luxuries or the, you know, some of the comforts that they were used to back home, they, they, didn't, you know, they didn't see when they got here. Some of the contributors talked about their distrust for authorities and the police. How big of an issue do you think this still is today in the community? It's a big issue. And that distrust does stem from the treatment of the authorities, of the people who came off the Windrush generation, because their mindset or what they was invited here to do was to help build the country after the war and so forth. And how the invite was presented to them was, like they say, streets paved with gold, everybody happy, friendly, and they're welcoming and what they got when they got here was total opposite so that distrust gets passed down generationally and then there's automatically a certain standoff between the common folk and the police and the authority authority and that's something that is going to take a long time to build back as a bridge but i think there should be positive steps to build back that trust because we all we need the balance between the both in our next segment, we'll be hearing from Sean Thomas, the writer and director of The Heritage Tapes, a short play inspired by these recordings which is being performed at our school to mark Black History Month. Echoes of the Caribbean Bradford's Black History This is Struggle for Acceptance, the second of three episodes of the Echoes of the Caribbean podcast, brought to you by the learners at Osa School in Bradford. I'm Junaid, joined by Ethan. Sean Thomas, a proud Bradford native, has carved a name for himself 
as a prominent actor in both film and television. His credits include the role of Jerry Roberts in Emmerdale, as well as appearances in The Selfish Giant, Grimsby, and the ITV drama, The Long Shadow. Sean wrote The Heritage Tapes, a short play based on recordings with members of Bradford's West Indian community. He is directing a team of three actors who are performing the piece in our school. Also joining us is Samara Daniels, one of the actors in the play. Do you know what they've been saying on the media about us? That we're cannibals? And do you know what? People actually believe it. And it's so scary out here, you know. My dad and his friends, they get constant abuse. And it's like everyone goes through a guerrilla phase. They want to beat their chest and come out and do the protests about the police brutality and about the racism. But when the noise stops, everybody wants to go back and fall asleep. And it really disheartens my dad because he does so much for the community. All that just to come to this country to give me a better life. I just don't get it. Samara, what were your feelings when you heard the tapes about some of the racist abuse, discrimination, and even violence that the early Caribbean migrants faced when they settled in Bradford? How I felt about the racial abuse. Um, <clears throat> listening to the tapes, for me personally, it reminded me of what me and my family went through even though, again, I come from a different community to the Caribbean community, um, it was something I did experience growing up. Racism was still about in the early 2000s, so like from the late 90s into the early 2000s, it was quite rife. Um, so it really hit home for me how much, how it just felt very close to home the experiences and it was really hurtful to hear how bad it was because you're hearing some of the tapes and you'll hear from the elders in the community how shocked they were to actually experience that racism because they've been invited into the country mind you like so it weren't just a case of yeah I'm just gonna I'm gonna hop on this boat and I'm gonna just swing my way now like they were invited here so imagine it's a, it's a whole it's that whole situation of being invited invited in but not welcomed. That's literally what it was. They was invited and they weren't welcome, and that's what really hit home for me. And I think that hits home for a lot of us, child like the children of migrants because we are children of the migrants, aren't we? Really, we're we're kind of dealing with the backlog of what our great grandparents dealt with. As much as it's not as bad as it was when they came to England, we still feel the repercussions of those actions. Sean, when writing the play, was it difficult to cover such an emo emotive issue like racism? Yeah, uh, so yeah, it's always um, a challenge um, taking on such a difficult topic like racism. Um, especially when you want to do the story justice, you don't want to tell a story that's not true or far from the truth. So using the tapes, I had to decipher them selectively and pick out uh, moments where I thought the audience could relate to the actors. Um, so yeah, we worked closely together on coming up with the script and yeah, today we performed it and it seemed like it got a really good reception. Thank you for your time, Sean. We look forward to talking more in our next episode of Echoes of the Caribbean. 
But what did the play leave an impression with the learners from Mosler School in Bradford and Keithley about the racism that people from the West Indian community faced? I've learned that um, back in the 50s and 60s, it was a lot more apparent than it was today. And it, you had more people thinking it was right to do so because it was just a general thing for them. Uh, but today, even though it's, not, it's never been acceptable, even today there's always, there still is and there's always going to be racism. I think if young people see it, they can confront it by telling a responsible adult or someone who they know, or calling anyone. It's not cool and it's not good and, yeah. Still to this day we get discrimination. You're always going to get it at some people. But it's a lot more ex accepting at, like, at our times now, whereas... In the past, it wasn't so accepting. I'm happy that our community has been able to start accepting people and being able to open up the UK and, you know, stuff to the black community and them open up to us and talk about their trauma with us. Um, it wasn't really, some, it didn't really surprise me because, you know, d discrimination, it happens still now, but it's not as bad as it was back then with uh, slavery and stuff like that. You should care for everyone that you're around, any race, any gender, anything. But really, I did feel bad for all that racism that they were talking about, how they felt her with all of that. Plus, I have uh, a black friend and I feel bad if, uh, if I saw that happen to him. Echoes of the Caribbean. Bradford's Black History and that's nearly all for this episode of Echoes of the Caribbean The Struggle for Acceptance Here's a taster of what to expect in our final episode Forging a Legacy We also got to look at these divisions that we allow to come between us we got to work hard to bridge all those gaps so the future in my belief, is in our hands as to what future we have in this country and particularly in this city. We will examine how conditions for Bradford's West Indies community improved as the community grew stronger. It just didn't nice when I came here in 1955 with the people, with the coloured and the white, the black and white. But afterward then, when everybody coming and going, coming and going, it's get better. It's get better and better and better and better. We'll consider how multiculturalism has impacted our city and how relations between different ethnic communities have changed over the decades. And we will celebrate the contribution that the first West Indian settlers have made within their community and also for the whole of our city. Thank you for listening to Echoes of the Caribbean. Bradford's Black History. This podcast was made by learners at Arthur's School in Bradford in the partnership with Checkpoint, Bradford's West Indian Community Centre and the charity Digital Advantage. The team of learners who created this podcast were Tyler, Ethan, Janaid, Fabian, Alicia, Cole, Karen, Nicole and Evan. The artwork was created by Fabian. Original music created for this podcast was composed by Ellis, Tyler and Reese with help from their teacher Ben Fairburn. 
Thank you to Jed and Katie and everybody at Checkpoint West Indian Community Centre. The Heritage Tapes was written and directed by Sean Thomas and performed by Solomon Garden, Samara Daniels and Samaya Hayward. Respect to our wonderful teachers who helped us with this project. Rajka, Gavin Markham, Leanne Vaughan Brown, Robert Fairburn and Lindsay Brown. Our podcasts were produced by Paul Holloway from the charity Digital Advantage. Please don't forget to follow, share, rate and like our podcast. Echoes of the Caribbean. Bradford's Black History.